This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm your host Chris Hambling and my panel and I are here to look back at Palace's first defeat in seven games. Despite a late consolation goal from Mark Gay, it was an uncharacteristically poor display from Vieira's Eagles against a Villa side enjoying a new manager bounce under Steven Gerrard. Goals from Target and McGinn were enough to take the points. Okay, with me today I have Nick Gillard. Hello, Nick. Hello. Back after Hello. my week off. Mm. Well, you know, it's uh, it's important to take a break, isn't it? It is. I, I did nothing last Sunday. It was fantastic. Didn't know what to do yeah. with myself, I tell you. Well, it's there good to you be go. Back. Yeah, it's great to be back, isn't it? And you've chosen a wonderful game to return, as have I. Um, I had to have a, a self-imposed break to some degree last week, which wasn't intentional, but uh, but timing is, is difficult at the moment. Moving house and all that, but I'll come back to that later on, I'm sure, because we've got, we've got a question from a listener on it, which is interesting. So, hey, you can have an update then. Also joined by Chris Clark. Hello, Chris. Hello, Hambo. How you doing? I'm wonderful, mate. Yep, could do, could have done with a slightly better performance. But how about you? Uh, well, today I've been feeling very similar to the way that the lads turned out on the pitch, um, i.e., <laughs> sluggish and rubbish. Um, yeah, I, I might have had a, a couple of drinks um, to commiserate after the game and have been feeling it all day. But definitely um, great to be um, back on the show for a second week running. And yeah, I would can't quite say looking forward to talking through this. And frankly, I've been dreading it. But um, you know, at least we'll, we'll get a chance to commiserate and see you know see if we can find some light in the darkness. Yeah, but the only real, real consolation for me about the game was um, didn't have a long drive home, having been to lots of games with uh, Mister Clark this season. Um, it's only half an hour of misery rather than hours of DR moaning about it. So that, that was <laughs> yeah. one consolation. Let's just hope Leeds, uh, Leeds on Tuesday is a bit better. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want hours of DR moaning about it, you only have to pop over to YouTube anyway. So um, if you're missing True. that. <laughs> so uh, do check that out as well. And, uh, you know, the guys do wonderful, wonderful work over there on YouTube as well. If you haven't yet engaged with it, please do. Even if you think it's not something I would usually do, you know, pop onto YouTube and watch, um, you know, watch a bunch of guys I don't really know talk about Palace. Honestly, it's it's well worth doing. You get a variety of opinions. You know, some of the stuff you don't get from uh, from the panel on this show because, you know, we can only pick a, a handful each week. So if you want a kind of wider view and see, you know, there's plenty of variation in opinions from everybody at the back of the nest. So our narrative on this show which isn't planned, by the way, but whatever narrative we happen to come up with today, uh, you know, could well differ from what you see on there. So we try to cater to all tastes, and I can't encourage you enough to go over and check out what we do on YouTube, and of course, all our social media channels. But good to have the guys on today, and for, as I say, very good to be back for myself. Um, really enjoying doing the shows this year. I think um, you know the the Patrick Vieira era has given a sort of freshness to us all. Um, but it is interesting that we, you know, we're now faced with a situation we haven't dealt with for a while which is a defeat uh, and, and also a performance that wasn't particularly inspiring but was it as bad as it felt um you know we got we got to try and 
find some perspective in all this. And, you know, you can look at the stats of the match. You can look at the general performance of individuals. You can look at the team selection and the availability issues that we had. And we'll be doing all of that in just a moment. But first up, just a couple of bits to round up for you in news this week. The Palace under-23s, after smashing Liverpool 3-0 last week, beat Man United 2-1 this week. Um, it was another strong performance. Uh, it was 1-1 at half-time. McNeil opened the scoring for Man United. But, uh, sorry, oh, <laughs> Rakzaki opened the scoring for Palace. Sorry, I've read the, read the times wrong there. It was Rakzaki who opened the, the scoring for Palace two minutes in. McNeil pegged it back after 13 minutes. And just after the half-time break, it was another early goal. With, uh, with J.K. Gordon getting a goal a minute into that half. It was a third successive away win for the 23s. Paddy McCarthy going great guns, getting results from that group of players. And there's some real talent in there that we have to say. You know, you look at Raksaki, who's obviously already had exposure to the first team. And, you know, Scott Banks is in there doing really well. Jake O'Brien at the back doing superbly. The keeper, Joe Whitworth, is a real talent as well. There's, I mean, I could probably name each and every one of the players now, um, you know, in, in terms of them having real potential there. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it, it's encouraging to see some proper uh, academy talent getting some real results against big academies, you know, big size. And it's, you know, it could only get better, Nick. Yeah, I was just going to ask you both. Do you think that having brought in some excellent players for the first team, that the uh, under 23s, under 18s have actually lost a bit of a chance to push into the first team now? Or do you think that hmm. having lots of matches coming up over Christmas might be their window to get in? Or do you think that Paddy's actually said, no, I'm keeping them because we're doing so well. Don't you dare take them away from me. I think it's important that they play regularly, you know, and I think having them on the bench when, the, you know, it's difficult to have a player go and play in the 23s or the 18s and then have them on the bench for the first team. You can do it. But realistically, you know, you've got to weigh up what you get the most out of. Um, you know, I think we will have to lean into the to the younger players and there will be opportunities for them. And this it might be this period we're coming up to now is that first opportunity for one or two of them to find their way onto the bench. Because, you know, it is the games are coming thick and fast. We've picked up a couple of injuries already. And, you know, arguably there could be issues of form as well in there. And we might need to to lean on a couple of these players. But the important thing I, for, for me is the opportunities are there. You know, certainly we, we've shown that earlier in the season. And, and I do think we'll show that again. But it is hard. At Premier League level, it's really hard to to find the right moment to, to blood young players. And we've got to trust... To a degree, we've got to trust in the manager that he will do that. Um, but I think, you know, if we if we go three, four months and, and you know, ha- have a poor run and we don't lean into the academy, that might be a, a cause for concern. But I'm not concerned yet, Nick, but I, I, I think it's a good question. You got any views on that, Chris? Well, I, I think that, you know, I mean, you, you know, obviously you want to be giving players chances where, where you can, but we, we've got to wait and see how we're doing in the league at the moment you know it's all you know our team has been on a pretty good run so you know you feel able to do things like like we've seen where Elise himself has been you know sliding into the first team that wouldn't have happened last year under Roy um so you know it's good to see the younger players getting a chance and you want to see the you know the 23 is starting to edge in once we know that we're comfortable enough but I, I I think that you you need to be risk averse with that at the moment and you know mm. prioritize as you said uh, making sure that they get game time regularly because that that's the only way they'll develop as players yeah exactly and you've also got to think a little bit about you know we've not seen anything of Will Hughes yet you know I don't think Martin Kelly's played a minute or maybe he's played a come off the bench once I'm not sure but you know there's players there's senior players you've not had minutes as well and as as you quite rightly said Chris that is because the team have been playing very very well uh, and getting good results as well as um, putting the performances on so but there'll be I'm sure there will be opportunities <clears throat> excuse me to to, to come in the, the games ahead um, the 18s also had a, a had a great result they beat uh, Villa 3-1 <clears throat> Excuse me. Obviously, bettering the result of the first team. Akinwale got the first goal, and Ola Adabame got the uh, next two. And I have to say, if you get an opportunity to watch it, I think the highlights are up on YouTube and Palace TV. The second, his second goal is absolutely brilliant. Um, I think all the goals were down to 
Palace doing the high press. They're really mimicking that style that Vieira's brought to the club. Um, you know, Paddy's replicating that in the academy. He's worked with the first team, obviously, earlier on in the season. So he knows what the ask is there. He's replicating that brilliantly. And I think all three were a result of us kind of pouncing on possession in the in the the you know opposition's third, <coughs> uh, defensive third. And yeah, uh, the 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 second goal from Ole Adebomi, he he sort of nicks the ball in the area. Um, so just outside the area, cuts it back, beats a couple of players and absolutely smashes it home high above the keeper at the near post into the top corner. And it's a real great strike. And I have to say, I've not seen as much as I would like to of, of the 18s this year because they are a talented bunch. And those that were talented, you know, from a talented bunch last year have pushed into the 23s. And it's great to see the talent coming behind them. But, you know, he looks um, a really interesting player to me. He's He's a really good size for an under-18 player and, and you know, he uses that to his advantage. Great pace, good feet, just the, the strength and, and the, you know, the, the calmness of the finish as well. I, you know, I like what I see of him um, and he's not one who has been talked about a tremendous amount. Obviously, Omalabu has got the headlines as a goal scorer um, you know, last year and moved into the 23s. Akamale's got a bunch of goals this year and doing really well and opened the scoring here. But he, you know, a lot of I think, you know, another one to look out for, which is really exciting. So um, if you get an opportunity to watch the 18s, do look out for him as well. But again, a great, great youth side there, getting very good results. So that's uh, plenty of positivity there, but we do have to obviously talk about a defeat now uh, in the in the Villa game. So, gents, we've got to look at the... Uh, we have to. I'm so, we do, but we don't have to, to talk too long about it. And also, I'm I'm not down. You know, I'm not down about it. I'm not down, Lynn. Um, so it's a, 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 a Partridge reference. I couldn't help it. Um, but it's, you know, I think the, the, the immediate thing to, to talk about, I suppose, we, we managed without Maka last week and we didn't look quite as good in midfield without him. Uh, and, and it really showed his value. And I think this week probably even more so. So we had no James MacArthur, but also, um, you know, Joachim Anderson, uh, a late injury, also a hamstring injury, and we don't really know how serious it is at this sh- this stage. And Tompkins came in for his first game of the season. And we'll talk performances in a bit, but, you know, I suppose the first question to, to you, and I'll, and I'll start with you, Chris, is when you see that squad selection, you see the choices made, they seem like logical choices to me. But, you know, do you think that it was those two things that, that made the difference today. The fact that we had no James MacArthur in there and, and we went with Kiate and Luca doing the kind of holding roles in there with Gallagher, the kind of free role to roam. Um, and we, we went for Tompkins when, you know, what are our other options? I, I suppose we can talk about those. But um, but do you think that was where the, the game was won and lost? I think that alongside other elements. It was a flat performance full stop. So I don't think it's just hinges on those two players. We'll come on to other individual performances where, you know, players frankly weren't performing at their usual level, in my opinion. Uh, but it is, is the interaction with um, those two key players. MacArthur, we knew was a loss and was always going to uh, take some replacing. Um, but the, you know, the question is who comes in to replace him, you know, so far, uh, Vieira has tended to get these big decisions right, so you know deserves the the faith and the trust. Um, that said, um, I was quite keen. I think a lot of people were quite keen to see Will Hughes come in and you know see how he gets on and how he fits in this team. But Vieira is the only one who's seeing how they're performing in training and therefore can make those decisions. Um, you know, in terms of who who he sees slotting in. With regard to Anderson, I mean that was clearly a forced change. I think you know one thing that is clear is that you know we've been struggling with set piece organization already and you know it it's hard to set up a new relationship and a new partnership very very fast so you were always going to be looking at either Tompkins or I would say Kelly was the other option who could have come in there and either one of them it's going to be difficult to establish a partnership with the other players that quickly but mm. frankly I I you know I think if at the time when I saw that team sheet, I thought Tompkins was the logical replacement. Uh, in retrospect, it didn't go so well. So, you know, we'll need to talk about that. And the same with the midfield performances, frankly. Yeah, I mean, thinking about it now, and that the benefit of hindsight is always a, is a great thing, isn't it? But, 
you know, you start to think about the choice there. So first and foremost, Tompkins, I think he was rusty when he started the game, but I actually thought he got better as the game went on. And he certainly, you know, he's a player who's played in the Premier League in midfield in his early career. He's always been one of the better central defenders in terms of, you know, with the ball at his feet at Palace, you know, alongside the likes of Sacco when, you know, we were we were a very strong side with him at, at the, in the middle. And obviously, whether injuries have taken their toll or not, it's, that's, that's a question. But I think, you know, the fact that he's probably not, he's not really played much with Mark Gay, has he? So there's no established partnership there. Um, so that's also a factor. But I think when you start to look at the choices that made, and, and Nick, this will bring us into the, really talking about what happened in the midfield there. For me, you know, and perhaps a more obvious choice would have been to to drop Coyote back into that centre back position where you know he has done pretty well for us. It's not his best position. I still think he is better as a central midfielder. But with the injury to MacArthur, with with how it kind of went in the middle of the park last week for spells, it just you know for me I think a better choice in hindsight as I as I have to mention again would have been to drop Coyote back and give an opportunity in the middle there. And you could have picked any one of you know Reedeveld or or Will Hughes. Um, or, or maybe one or two others, I'm, I'm, you know, Jeffrey Schlupp even. So, you know, there's there's options in there that we could have gone with. But, you know, what what do you feel? Do you think Vieira seems to have a, a, a lot of trust in Jake Chiarte in central midfield? You know, and, and what, what do you think the reasons are for that? I think that he's right to leave Chiarte there. Um, just, just to talk about the defence, over the last few seasons, our defence hadn't changed much. So whatever combination you had, they knew each other whether it was Mamadou Sacco and Tompkins or Dan and whoever, well, they all knew each other and they'd all played with each other enough, um, whoever this is, to, to know what they're doing. Now, Gay is quite new. He's a brilliant player. He's in the England set-up and, you know, he, he scored yesterday and he had a brilliant pass rate. And his, his, him and Anderson are the ones that carry the ball forward. So, Kuate is generally the player. And as you said, he's got defensive experience who will drop back into that defensive role while the uh, full-backs make their, their uh, way forward a bit. So, And Kuwati has done a very, very good job in screening the defence all season. I, I really think the weak link there was Milivojevic because he wasn't... Mm. Where we've had um, Jimmy Mack, he's almost like having two players, isn't he? And he's, he's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Well, that's the wrong, wrong analogy, but he's wrong like analogy, two players. Yeah, yeah. Wrong analogy yeah. there. But he's he, he can do two roles within the game. He could be defensive as well as going forward. And actually... I can, re- if, I can rescue it. It's Dr. Jekyll and Dr. Jekyll's twin brother. Yes, well done. See, what I would have done, had it been me, after a glass of wine, um, I'd have actually dropped Gallagher in there because I think Gallagher's more like Macca and could actually fill that role a bit more and defend as Gallagher did towards the end of the game. And... The, I would have said put Eze in a bit further forward, although it is too soon for him to play a full game. So that's where my, my theory falls apart a bit there. But whoever you put in, it's the inexperience of playing next to each other. And I think we've done well at the start of the season. And all right, I might have said on BBC London, oh, we'll finish fourth to seventh. But actually, thinking about it, the side does... And I did also say on BBC London that... I think it will be next season that we see the side really, really gel once we know each other a lot. Because yeah. there's a lot of new players in, in that 11, isn't there? So for yeah, them to, true. to gel quickly is, is stretching things. So on this on this topic, um, you know, Matt Rosenham writing in The Athletic um, did, a, did a little piece on why Tompkins was an issue. And it's, it's funny, we were doing the same thing and, and, you know, quite rightly so and understandably so as, as a lot of Palace fans in talking about it. And really focusing on the, the the kind of defensive aspect, the partnership, this sort of security that you've got back there, and you know, I, I still think Tompkins should have the attributes to um, you know to play that role, to play that system, and um, clearly the manager did too. But I think what Matt Woosnam has focused on in his his article, and and what I think is is a very valid point, is what we what we struggled with yesterday more than anything. We it wasn't too much different in how we defended and how we set up, but. It was really those the, the inability to to mount meaningful attacks, and when you actually go back and look at how a lot of our attacks start or or contributing passes in it, you know one of the the strongest weapons in our arsenal is 
is Anderson's ability to hit pinpoint crossfield passes to you know to to really put the ball on somebody's toes from oh, yes. the back there. And you know, as much as he you know he, he got caught a few times, you know, and he doesn't deal with the with the high ball over the top brilliantly. Let's face it, you know, he does have weaknesses in his game that, that I'm sure he'll work on and get better. But you know, it's that that ability to to kind of spring spring an attack from a from a fantastic crossfield pass. You know, not having that. You know, Tompkins just doesn't have that ability he, you know he can hit a pass but he cannot match uh Joachim Anderson in that respect so it shows that we need you know we do need to have that different way of playing if we're not going to have the players um, which, uh, you know that cool which, which means we need to get somebody in the January transfer window because you're saying old Kuwati could have gone in there but Kuwati doesn't all right he excellent cross at the end it was the best cross of the game look led to Gay's goal from on a Palace perspective but Kuwati can't hit those long passes either We've got no, a no, German no. Anderson with those long passes. And if a lot of our attacks are going to be that way, because let's let's face it, and sort of moving us forward a little bit in the game, but we found it hard to penetrate, didn't we? And we've, mm. we've had that quite a few times this season. Uh, the Brentford game springs to mind, um, where we've, we've had a lot of the possession, but it's that final ball getting into the final third. And okay, most players were off the boil yesterday anyway, so it, it can't mm. be down to to that thing I, I i don't know i don't know but I, to to blame it on tompkins i don't think you can because i was watching him i thought he was quite assured and quite settled there considering he hasn't played for such a long time i think as you um hinted earlier on chris it's about attributes rather than individuals so if we're saying that we want a quality pass from the rear third of the pitch that doesn't necessarily need to be a centre-back. That could be um, a full-back who can do it, or it could be, and I think probably would be, given our squad, more likely to be a defensive midfielder or a player playing in that defensive midfield position. For example, we know Gyro has a decent pass on him. He might be, if you drop Kiate back into the centre-back position, as you suggested, which I think is a good um, suggestion and might be something we should look at ahead of the next game if Anderson's not back, then you can bring in someone who can do those decent passes. And I think it's time for Luca to possibly be having a rest, at least. I think that's very much mm. the tone of the feedback we've been getting uh, from listeners as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Look, and I think, you know, to kind of wrap that up a little bit, I think we should always factor in, I, I don't know exactly when the, the injury happened. Um, it might be out there, but I didn't see it. Um, in terms of when it actually happened. So in, in terms of prep time for the game, in terms of working on a different plan, in terms of looking at that situation and saying, okay, well, you know, James, you're playing today, but we don't really have time to work on a, a different way of playing. I think it's understandable. And I would hope come Tuesday and, and certainly come the weekend, we've we've worked on some different options if, if Anderson is out. And with a hamstring injury, you would expect him to, to remain out, I think. Go on, Nick, quickly. But would... Tompkins not be in the training sessions anyway and see how we play and, and learn from that. Yeah, but you can't... Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I know he's a different player. A, you can't ask a player to do something that another player does if he's not as capable of doing it. You know, you, you, I'm, not, I'm not saying Tompkins, Tompkins couldn't, but, you know, he, he, you know, think about the other things that Anderson and, and Gay do as well, that they, they both are comfortable running with the ball from the defence. Sometimes you'll see them making an overlapping run a little bit, you know, like Wilder had going on at Sheffield United a couple of seasons back, that kind of stuff, you know, that's, you know, you see them popping up in, in different positions because they're, they're confident, comfortable players on the ball. I think either of those two could play in midfield if they wanted to, they are, they are that good on the ball. So yeah, look at, um, I just don't, I just don't think Tompkins really has that attribute. So I'm not, I'm not, I understand what you're saying, Nick, but I think you should never ask a player to, to do something that he isn't capable of doing. So. Yeah, and just to cement what you were saying is look at Gay's goal against Burnley last week. It came from a rebound from an Anderson shot, so they were both up there. Yeah, exactly right. You know, that's that, that's exactly what we're talking about. So, but look, that that's the challenge, you know, and that's the challenge that Vieira has. You know, you can quite see when he's got his, you know, his, his a full team available for him. It's sometimes it's a, it looks like an embarrassment of riches and how to fit them all in. Um, but, you know, it, a couple of key injuries, a couple of key players out, you know, you really do have to rethink. And, um, you know, this will happen throughout the course of the season. We're not going to go, the, we weren't ever going to go the rest of the season unbeaten and, and never going to go the rest of the season with a with a poor performance. Those things will happen. And it's about understanding. You know, I, I felt, you know, my, my kind of sum up from the, from the game was 
it's a welcome reminder to keep our feet on the ground. We've been, in a way, spoiled with, with some really good quality football where even when we haven't got the wins, we've been the dominant party. And we started this game dominating Villa. You know, the, the goal came at a horrible time and from a really frustrating source yet again, which is definitely something we'll talk about. But, you know, I think, um, you know, it, it's it's important to keep some perspective and, you know, Vieira and you know said at the end of the game that um, you know he, he was he was kind of just not pinning the result on the absence of Anderson. That was his his kind of response, and he said that obviously Anderson had played all the games, and he's an important player, but he felt that we have enough players to play better than we did against Villa, and I think that's a that is a very much a key observation. You can talk about the missing players, but Vieira is absolutely right. You know, he he he's hit the nail on the head. We are capable of playing a lot better than we did yesterday. So let's start talking about some of the other things that didn't quite go to plan. And we've got to talk about Michael Elise, a player that, you know, I want to see start and I want to see start on a regular basis because I think he offers more than Jordan Ayew in that position. But we saw yet again, starting and having Ayew on the bench, that Elise's impact was, was just not as noticeable. You know, he wasn't dealing with a tiring defense. He wasn't, you know, dealing with a, with an in-game situation where he only had to, to focus for maybe 20 minutes to get things right. He's, you know, it's a very different thing to play a full 90 minute game in a Premier League at, at his age, given his experience. And whilst we know the talents there, um, the impact certainly isn't the same um, when he starts us off the bench. Now we're only looking at a very small set of data in terms of starting. Is it two games? I think he started this year. So we shouldn't, this season shouldn't really be thinking too much about it and, and overanalyzing it. But, you know, Chris, what was your, your view of on Elise's performance in the game and, and what he offered? Well, I was happy to see him start. Um, but I'd, I have to say, you know, that as I think I, I broadly agree, frankly, with, with what you've just said, Chris, with regard to the, you know, the, I mean, simply, at this stage, he's his best performances have been as an impact sub, and it, it's a different thing to you know go toe to toe with an opponent for ninety minutes because you're not dealing with people who are tiring. So, you know that means that you've got to be ma- you know matching them in terms of performance levels. And I also think that he he just looked a little bit shy in this game. You know there were a couple of um, specific challenges where you know it just looked to me like he, he pulled his punches a bit and you know could have been, been a bit more physical maybe that's where you know I use greater experience and more physical game albeit um more limited game you know might have been more appropriate for this performance you know that, that's that's mm. my only immediate reaction yeah it, it certainly it certainly felt that way and um you know I think it's important and I'll probably say this a few times today throughout the course of this analysis and that is to look at our opponents and um, and not not ignore the part that they played in in the situation. So, you know, Elise wasn't the only one who struggled for for time on the ball and and struggled to make an impact. You know, Zaha struggled on the other flank, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But the, you know, the two fullbacks for Villa in uh, Matty Cash and uh, Matt Target, they're very good players. They're very experienced at Premier League level. They're, they're they know their job. They're confident on the ball, but they they really do know how to how to mark a, a winger, you know. And Elisa never really got away, never really got that opportunity to to kind of express himself. And and you're quite right, Chris. It, he looked like a reserved performance. It looked like he didn't quite have that spark that was going to be needed to get past his fullback and and start worrying him. And and quite a lot of his time. They were spent tracking the fullback and trying to, I think, you know, understandably he wanted to focus on offering the team something defensively, but, you know, we really wanted to see him stretch those legs. We wanted to see him twist the players this way and that and um, just back his ability. And I think, yeah, it was a slightly understated performance. Nick? Uh, It's interesting to see that he had twice as many touches as Zaha and a lot more seemed to go through Elise, um, who didn't have a Tyreek Mitchell to back him up. Within 10 minutes, Will, the son, said to me, he he shouldn't start. Uh, Something was missing and we couldn't put our finger on it. Um, And the second thing was, he did seem very close to the touchline all the time. He didn't seem to want to take players on as much as he used to do. Um, 
So yeah, it's almost as if he was playing mm. a different, completely different game to what he does when he comes on as an impact sub. And yeah, well, there's, there's, perhaps yeah, that's the space wasn't there for a while. The, yeah, right, Nick. The space, the space wasn't there for him from the start of the game. That's that's no doubt about that, and that's how it works. And he's got to find a way of making that, making his own space, and and you know, enforcing his his influence onto the game. He has to do that. He's still very young, and and that will come as he as he gains in confidence. And I don't think he's got any lack of abil- lack of belief in his own ability. But it's interesting that observation that you, that you make, and, and it's interesting for t- for two reasons. Obviously, he's got different players in and around him, um, so. The players that came, you know, Conor Gallagher likes to wander out to that side and get involved in the play there. Um, that more often than not, than than drifting out to the left. Um, but I think you know, behind Gallagher with the with with Kuyate and, and Milivojevic, the two of them did have poor games. Both of them were, were very poor in the first half and and didn't really do much more in in the second half. You know, and obviously Luca was was subbed. Um, as well, pretty early on, um, which we'll come to. But I, I think the main thing that, that that you've kind of triggered for me is the the realization that our attacking intent is so usually focused on the left side for Wilf. You know, when when we whenever you kind of look at the the stats on wherever you go for your stats, but you know who who scored is a is a good example of a, a site that shows you that we actually attacked. Um, I think let me let me get the figures up actually. So in terms of attacking possession, 48% was down the right, 31 on the left, and it's usually the absolute opposite. And there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, the, the first is I think we're trying to get a better balance and we were trying to give Elise time on the ball. But, you know, Villa, again, did a, such a good job in cutting off that supply to Wilf. You know, the, the crossfield passes weren't there from Anderson, who usually plays, you know, right side of the centre-back position and, cro- and his his passes usually go from right to left on the diagonal and find Wilf, so we didn't do that. But we also didn't spend a lot of time passing through Mitchell and going down the flank and, and those two, inter, you know, Wilf and, and Tyreek interacting there. So that was a, an element of the game missing yesterday. And I think there was no intent from Palace to do that. We had the same individuals on the same side of the pitch, but Villa really did close out the space there and they really did cut off the passing angles. So Wilf was a peripheral figure for a lot of the game, but... Don't think it was his fault. No, so I'm just going to completely disagree with you about Kuwati. I thought he had a very, very good game. He made some brilliant saving tackles. A couple of times he'd given the ball away, but he got back and got the ball back as as the gay. But he won loads of aerials. His passing was good. Um, I thought, and considering he was carrying a missing Milivojevic as well, um, I thought he had a brilliant game, so I won't I have think, anybody tell me that he had a bad game. Sorry. I think that's a cop out. I think it's a cop out, Nick, because I think it's you know Luca's the Panto villain at the moment and had a really bad bad game. But you know to 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 say that Kiate struggled because of Luca is is to me you can it's exactly the same thing. You can say the other way. You can go okay, well you know Luca struggled because of Kiate, and I thought Kiate's overall game was really poor by his standards. I think he he didn't have any influence in there. He was bypassed by a lot. And I think what you're what you're right in saying is that he had good moments in a game. A couple of fantastic tackles. He did some really good defensive work uh, and some really good blocks. But you know, he he was reluctant to carry the ball. He too often went for a, a simple pass when a better pass was on and, and ultimately was responsible for a midfield that was overrun for most of the game. So no, Nick, I'm not going to agree with you. Well, well, defensively, he won more aerial battles than anybody else on the pitch. He had more tackles than pretty much anybody else on the pitch. So defensively, yes, going forward, perhaps you're right. Yeah, I think that's why he's in there. If, I, if I'm honest, I kind of asked you that question a little bit earlier on with a kind of bit, a bit of a tongue-in-cheek because I think he is in there because he just adds that extra little bit of height, doesn't he? And considering the problems we're having from set pieces, that's one of the reasons he's in there. But, you know, I think, I think you know, for whatever reason that he struggled and he wasn't the only one, I do think that that centre of midfield, I don't think, for me, I don't think you can point the finger at one without pointing the finger at the other. Chris. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I was about to say, I think that actually it's, you know, it's the combination of the two um, players that that didn't work in this game. And, you know, we need to be looking at a new balance and a new way of playing. And, you know, we've done that with some of the other areas of the pitch. We've moved to, we've got someone like Gallagher now who's who gives a mobility in the offensive third that we just don't have. Um, elsewhere and haven't had for a number of years. Um, at centre back, we've had Anderson with with the option of the the long pass, and we haven't had a decent long passer since. Uh, I mean, I would say the there was a, a period where Delaney managed to master it really, really effectively. Albeit it was a very limiting, and he it was a one trick pony, but it was very effective for a period back in back in the day, and. You know, but in in midfield we need to be remodelling that. I think it's as simple as that, and it's 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 not not just the personnel; it's actually the style. We've got two destroyers there, mm. and we need a new balance. Yeah, and I, I will say, you know, again, in in defence of what Nick says, you know, it isn't. It, the Kiate did have. A, I do think he was the one of the two who improved in the second half. I will say that much for sure. I think you know his influence in the game was greater in the second half, but perhaps the damage was done by that point. Um, you know, and, and I think of, of the two, it's certainly Luca who kind of lost the discipline a bit. And I think when you factor in, you know, we talk about set plays. I'm sure you know we know we're about to, but when you factor in the the fact he was back taking you know, some corners and free kicks and they were, they were not good. You know, we, we wasted a lot of opportunities when you factor that in as well. You know, I I understand why the focus is on Luca and, you know, statistically, you know, you can point, look at Kiate and statistically you can say he actually, you know, he had a good game statistically, but I felt, you know, he has a part to play in that midfield unit and, and, you know, the stats don't always, uh, tell the full story but you know that's what it's about we all we all see things differently I'm sure there are plenty sitting at home agreeing with Nick and disagreeing with me which is absolutely fine so let's talk about the subs before we we have a quick we'll kind of finish talking about the goals uh, in a bit uh, and some of the post-match stuff and general performance things but let's focus really on the one of the key things that was discussed this week and that's the substitutes so the first sub for me is the is the kind of the big one um and that would be surprising to some because of the second sub. Uh, but I'll tell you why I think this was the big one. Because, you know, Luca, I think it's fair to say he was probably a red card risk because he'd picked up a yellow and he was making some silly fouls. And I think his head had gone a little bit. And I'm always a big fan of trying to get Eze on a football pitch. But for me, that was the wrong choice because, you know, we were losing a midfield battle already. Um, and I think taking off a um, Luca was the right call. But for me, you could have gone with Gyro or you could have gone with Jeffrey Schlupp or you could have gone with Will Hughes there. And I think that was the change that we were crying out for. Someone in the middle to get some with, you know, to to be disciplined, to get their foot on the ball, to calm things down, and also to give the the rest of the team the license to push forward uh, and go for the game. But Vieira's a, a brave manager, and you know, we've we've seen the benefit of that already. And we've seen it not work, you know, once or twice as well. And I think this time, the brave choice, um, I applaud, but the the decision, I think, was the wrong one. I think we very much lost our um, our way until, you know, that that kind of that kind of tactical shift a little bit later on when we started to create. Um, although I will question the second sub in terms of who went off, I would say that that change of being an Edward on and changing the way we were playing that was a key one because that's when we actually started to create and we eventually had a first shot on target around 80 minutes. But let's let's focus on the the hour mark. Nick, you want to jump in there? Yeah, just quickly on the Eze sub, I think part of it was to actually lift the crowd because the crowd actually got a lot louder and got more behind the team the moment Eze came on. And uh, you're talking about uh, red card risk. You think Wilf was a red card risk? Red card risk. Red, red card risk. <laughs> um, having having 
got that silly yellow in the first half as well. I think there's a possibility there, but I mean, he, he you know, I think someone put chuck, chuck the stats up somewhere. I think it was on social media that Wilf has had one red card um, in recent times, and it was for clapping sarcastically at a referee. Um, you know, he did make a silly challenge, but I don't, I don't consider him a, a, a constant red card risk. You think the number of times Wilf's been on a yellow, uh, um, you you know, you, you just don't take him off. So I understand where you're coming from there, but um, but you know, it, it it was what it was, Chris. Well, we needed to do something because we had been ineffective. We were behind in the game and we hadn't had a shot on target. In fact, we didn't have a shot on target for another 20 minutes. So I understand the urge to uh, you know, make an offensive change. And this certainly was um, designed to achieve that. Um, I thought Eze linked up pretty well um, with Elise pretty quickly on and with Gallagher. Um so I, I, I'm not sure it was necessarily the wrong choice. Um, I certainly agree that I wanted to see Hughes on, but I wanted to see him on from the start rather than necessarily in, as a substitute. Um, so I, I defend that substitution. It certainly was a popular one in the ground. I don't think that um, lifting the crowd would necessarily have been Vieira's priority. It would have been to you know achieve a change in the, what was happening on the pitch. Um, mm. But it definitely lifted the crowd when, when we saw Eze back. That was a, a good moment. No, it's it's good, and I, you know, I I just get a little bit concerned about. I mean, I I want as a back on the pitch, and you've got to give him minutes, right? You've got to play him for him to get back into form. The you know the as a of last season, you know, at his peak, thinking about him on that pitch with the rest of the talent that we've got there, playing the way we're playing, it's it's absolutely mouthwatering if we can get back to it. And so we might have to do things like this and. You know, maybe, maybe take that risk. And you're quite right. You know, obviously the crowd were lifted, and he, you know, he did get on the ball, even though he, you know, he understandably a little bit rusty. But you know, for me, I, I think if you're going to bring him on there, then perhaps maybe that the answer is to make two changes there. And I don't have my my knives out for for Elise at all. I, I think he's a fantastic young player, and will be a you know a tremendous asset for us over the next few years. But you've uh, at that just hour moved mark, out. I bet you haven't even unpacked your knives yet, have you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. They're still in a <laughs> still in a box. That's right. But, um, but you know what I mean. He's you know uh, that to me. You look at an hour the hour mark, and you know the sub came later on. Uh, the, you know the seventy two minutes sub, and it was Zaha off for Edward and. You know, Wilf didn't have a great game, and he was he was marked out out of it for a lot. But for me, the obvious change at that point was Elise, just to say, hey, you know, you gave it a good run, but you've been ineffective. You know, let's let's make the the obvious change, get Edward on for that. And it was obviously Elise went off with about a minute to go um, uh, for Ayu. So I, you know, I didn't think, you know, for me, I didn't think that was the right sub either. I think getting Edward on was good, and you know, it wasn't long before he got a shot away, and, and I really like him as a player, but. You know, I, I suppose again, hindsight, managing with hindsight, we're we're armchair managers or or in the stand managers, if you like, or whatever. But we're, you know, I, I look back at that and I think if you're going to make that change to get Eze on the pitch, then I think you can make a double change at that stage and still do something with the centre and midfield. Get Eze on, <coughs> excuse me, but take Elise off for him and get Luca off and and put somebody with some some legs in midfield. Because that's still, to me, where the game was won and lost. Is it a little bit concerning for you that Edouard seems to be predominantly the player on the wing now and maybe not in the middle where perhaps he could have been a little bit more effective than Benteke? Mm. Benteke wasn't awful. He had a couple of brilliant shots and definite penalty shout just before he did his scissor sideways kick that didn't, I doubt if it got seen on any replay simply because of the, the brilliant shot afterwards and all that was straight down the keeper's throat. But um, Benteke wasn't as effective as usual, which was a shame considering how well he played against Burnley. I'm concerned that Edward's going to be played out of position because he's the sort of player that could be the one moving into those spaces and be on the end of penetrating balls into the box, along the floor, I mean, through the middle, not necessarily crosses. Yeah, honestly, Nick, I, I do think you're right to some degree, and I do have some concerns about it. You know, if I if I think there was a way of not changing the system too much to accommodate Edward and Benteke together centrally, I would I would advocate for it. But I think we would probably lose too much, so it's got to be one or the other. I just think it's a case right now of of Benteke's the the man who's who's got the shirt, and quite rightly so. You know, he's been scoring at a decent rate under Vieira, but I think once again. 
it goes back to the age-old argument from ben, for Benteke, which is, you, you know, you've got to give him the right service. And, you know, seeing him run through the way he did, when you know, he picked the ball up just past the halfway line in the first half, didn't he? And ran at the defence and, but for some really good defended by Mings, would have got would have got a shot away as well, and um, you know called it out again. You know, in terms of the way Villa played, Mings don't, don't like him when he's off when he's against <laughs> us. But tremendous, tremendous defender uh, for for a lot of the time. You know, I know he's got a mistake in him here and there, but you know he was absolutely superb against us, and he's just so driven and so focused. Um, you know, I'm a big admirer of his, and he played Benteke really well. Um, so yeah, but I understand what you're saying, Nick. And no, I don't. I don't particularly like Edward starting the game out wide. And I think if you are going to play him there, it's really important to give him that license to drift in field. Um, but again, that you know, you can start talking about all sorts of options there, which is still a great thing to be talking about. Let's face it. But you could have um, could have dropped Elise off, um, put Edward on, on on that side as well. It's, there's all sorts of things that you could do, but. Um, I just think this one, and it's not much in it. It's not me, not me criticizing the manager outright and saying he was absolutely bang wrong, and it's inexplicable what he did. I just think, you know, on this occasion with the way the game went, um, those perhaps weren't as effective as other changes might have been. But we will never know. Um, so look, goal one. Um, what is what is it, guys? What is the problem with set pieces? You know, this one. It's it's again. You, it's somebody at the back post scoring. It's some. It's the not. The, it's never the first phase, really. Well, not never. It's it's rarely the first phase, other than against Burnley, <laughs> where where we're losing it. It's but it 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 just. I don't know what to say about it. You know, it's, surely it's got to be something psychological now, because I know. I mean, let's talk about it, Chris. How, how, how do you feel in the crowd when the opposition get a corner right now? How do you feel? Here we go again. Yeah, and you can, it's just jittery, and it's you know that's absolutely the case. Everyone around you has got their fists curled up really hard. It, it's it's teeth, you know, just it's horrible, absolutely horrible. Because there's just a feeling of inevitability, and and frankly, they must feel that on the pitch as well. It feels, it looks like they do. Got to, got to, haven't they? Um, no, it's 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 so so disappointing, and I and I hate feeling that way i hate feeling like you know there's this inevitability about about us conceding and it's it's some distance i can't remember the stats about it i'm I'm sorry for for not having the time to look it up but you know i think we're we're way ahead in that table of goals conceded against set pieces and you know corners and free kicks and you know Vieira had this to say in terms of the fact that palace are focusing on set pieces in training um hopefully you know defending and attacking um because he said that, that you know this is obviously something we are focusing on at the minute. Obviously, we need to do a little bit more work on that. We are there. We want to compete, but we don't do it well enough. It was really disappointing to concede a goal again on the set pieces. We never found a way back into the game. We didn't create enough. Our passing wasn't good enough in that game. Um, you know, talks about improvements after the break. Uh, might as well talk about the rest of his comments now. He said we created in the second half. We tried to stretch them a little bit more, having people running in behind the back four. In the first half, everything was a little bit comfortable for them. It's disappointing because we didn't play the way we know we can. I think we played against a really good side who made it difficult for us. We were quite slow today, didn't create enough, didn't defend well enough. And when you don't defend well enough, it's always difficult as you have to hope you can get something from the game. So clear Vieira is an unhappy man with that, but also clear that, you know, they recognize the issue and they're focusing on, focusing on it and training. But Nick, can you train out um, something if it's, if it's a psychological problem, how do you get around it? Well, is it psychological? Because looking back at it, we had too many players going for the ball and not thinking about the players that were around them. You only need one player to go for the ball. It, and then another player can be stood next to target. It's the communication hmm. in there, and hopefully that will come as the players get used to each other. As we said, it's well, it's all new faces in there, so yeah. maybe maybe it will come with time. Um, but yeah, too many players going for that ball on the on the second phase. Hmm. Uh, well, that's why it's psychological to me. Hill gobbing it in there, saying, "No, you stay yeah. there. I'm going for this." Yeah, well, that's so, why it's psychological to me. I don't. I think you can shout as much as you like in 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 the back four, and you know, or the, the back ten. If we're defending a set piece, you can shout as much as you like. But I think you know when you have multiple players going for the same ball, that's because of that desire 
to you know to to see it clear and it's it's a discipline thing and i think the desperation not to concede from a set piece i think you know to me the, the sensible thing to do is to look at the fact we don't concede from every set piece so we're we're capable of getting it right we're capable of doing the right things so you know take the desperation out of it you know that's it's not what it's about and also I, and i'm sure i'm sure the you know the manager and the players are going through this because you know you only have to get the videos up and look at the the fact that it's predominantly on a second phase of play and you can kind of pick a handful of players who after the first phase has kind of happened start to drift and start to go back to their positions or start to think about springing an attack which is you know it's great in some senses but until you've seen that ball clear you know you've got to be marking your man and whether or not they're doing zonal marking or man-to-man or a mixture of both like most people do I simply don't know I can't tell you and I suppose that's probably the biggest concern for me um but look moving on you know there wasn't too much other than that in the game was there that that you know we had to be concerned about in terms of, of what Villa were doing it was just all about the fact that we couldn't make good use of the ball and we tried and we tried and we tried and we're chasing the game and as often happens when you chase the game you know uh, a, you know a break from Villa and there's a great finish from from McGinn an absolutely fantastic goal can't really do too much about it you know Nick is there anything about that that second goal that that struck you that we could be doing better or is it just one of those things that happens when you chase a game I've I've big up to him but perhaps Kuwati could have been on McGinn he was rather free there, wasn't he? But yeah, when you chase the game, it's going to be loose, looser at the back, isn't it? So it yeah. is what it you is. You know, I don't, I don't have too much, you know, to to criticise. It's never nice to concede a goal, and you know, you could argue that there's plenty we could do defensively in terms of the shape and structure. But you know, that far into the match, you don't really, you're not really thinking about that. You know, the good thing about Vieira's Palace for me is that we are always thinking about getting back into games. We never accept defeat we never accept our lot and this will always be a consequence of that in some games and it, it will happen again this season when you know if we don't do the right things and we find ourselves behind in a game we'll get caught again chasing a match you know and you know we have to accept that and this was this was one of those games look it was a nice consolation goal from Mark Gay good instincts getting forward um you know but I don't think we can argue too much when we when we take 80 minutes to have a shot on target in a game you you know you can't take a lot of comfort from a consolation goal, and you also, you know, can't really feel aggrieved about losing a match. You know, we dropped points this season in games where we just thought, you know, we should have had three points here, but this was not one of them. Who got the assist, Chris? It's Czech Kuyate, wasn't it? Yes, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, I just yeah, had to get that in stats, there. didn't it? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Can can I just ask that we don't get a a first-time Premier League referee again because he was rubbish. Oh, yeah. I know we, I we mean, don't want to go on about refs, but he was particularly poor. He even got the red card wrong, didn't he? Yeah, he got the red card wrong for them, which was, again, you know, I, he got that wrong. There's uh, the time he uh, didn't play advantage when Gallagher, I'm 100% certain, would have gone on to score. Um, yeah. You know, um, he, he got a lot wrong. You could see that's somebody who understandably had nerves but I you know I was watching a game with my, with my partner and I said to her like she's like oh do we not like this referee and I said well you know we don't know but you know why is it us that has to get a first time Premier League ref because you know something's going to go wrong here and I thought he ref the game very poorly but you know it's his first game in the Premier League there's nothing he could do as a human being he's gonna he's gonna be anxious and he was just too quick with that whistle on too many occasions and then the frustrating thing is he lacked the consistency to to be like that throughout the course of the game. He followed the, the directives of letting the game flow just completely at the wrong times for us. And it's worth just, say, just saying that, again, we fell victim to a hell of a lot of time-wasting. This was almost as bad as Brentford. Villa were uh, you know, down, especially their keeper, um, pretending to have hurt himself uh, while making a save. And yes, okay, so we did get actually a couple of extra minutes added on, but I'm sure they wasted about 10, to be honest. Was that where the keeper threw the ball out and then the referee just dropped the ball at his feet rather than giving us a throw? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, that was very odd because it was nothing, nothing that we did. But again, another thing that the ref did which was a little bit inexplicable. Um, so look, let's talk about performances. I think in terms of, uh, you know, a few that I will pick out, you know, I'll certainly acknowledge, acknowledge that Luca had a poor game. Um, 
I think, you know, for me, Alisa really struggled. Uh, you know, Wilf wasn't great if we're if we're blunt about it either. So I think, you know, those are the ones that struggled for me. Um, players that I thought did really well. I, you know, I thought Mark Gay was was excellent once again. I think Conor Gallagher did a pretty decent job in there. In, in particular, I thought his passing was really strong and he often played the, the kind of sensible passes. Um, you know, and I think a lot went through him. Um, but, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of look at the 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 front players the attacking players and their kind of lack of seeing the ball and and lack of key moments in the game you can look at those and say that the failures really came in an attacking sense behind them um which is which is kind of hidden by a lot of stats but yeah anything that anyone that you want to pick out nick i know you picked out kiyate you thought had a good game as well um anyone else that you want to kind of pick out either good or bad uh, no, I, I think they were just all pretty under par compared to what we've known. I just hope it's a kick up the bum that they need to say, OK, we've been playing really well. We've been getting results, albeit draws. But actually, we're going to have to try a bit harder in this league and not take... I don't know whether they took things for granted. That I know there's no easy games in the Premier League, but Villa had come off a terrible run of results. All right, they've got new manager bounce, which we'll find again. Hopefully not against Man United next weekend. But it's... It was just, it seemed like a 75% performance rather than a 100% performance. And I'm not sure I can put my finger on why. It was certainly flatter. It was certainly flatter. But we also, you know, had we just didn't have any luck uh, in this game, whereas we had had some luck in some of the previous ones. Benteke had a couple of really good opportunities. I think he performed very well, actually. And, you know, on a, on a different day, some of those shots would have been shots on target and would have gone gone in the goal. We were just unfortunate with that. He linked up really well with Conor Gallagher. So there's definitely uh, reasons to be cheerful and, you know, not to panic. But there are there. this was flatter than previously and we need to improve. For sure. Okay, well, let's end the show by getting into some listener reaction. So we've got some four-word reviews for you. Uh, and I will start, Chris will go next, and Nick to follow. And that's because we didn't talk about it before the show, so I made it sound like it was me just talking as part of the show. But there you go. Um, I've ruined going it. Going meta. It. Yeah, I've gone meta. You're quite right. Love to go meta. Why not? Eh? <laughs> um, so the first one uh, from our very own Kara was, only need one, shite. And Patrick says... That's our Patrick says need to bounce back. Matt Camp at not to camp. My son's first game. I hope he's not like other kids and decides to support Villa because you hear that, <laughs> don't you? They, they, their dads take them to a game and they decide to support the opposition for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, one more point. The uh, wonderful fans are now back on sale. Um, went with reminiscent of Roy era. And Mike Deacon said, where was Will Hughes? Richard Tate says, clean sheet required Tuesday. Um, I went, oh, Vierasaurus. He's gone with a lot of words here, but it, it kind of it kind of works. Vierasaurus went with Kiate slash Luca doesn't work. He's claiming that's four words and one symbol. I'll let him off. Mark Davis says, it's only a blip. Ralph triple slash or Ralph slash slash slash. Still can't defend corners. Uh, Leif Anderson's forehead went with I missed our goal. And then there's an aubergine uh, emoji and some some drops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> then we've got Robert Bailey. <laughs> Robert Bailey says, outthought, outfought. Oh. Eagle for life, backwards, Mr. Anderson and Jimmy. Oh, well, I've just noticed that that's Eagle for life, backwards. The ages I've been going, Ephil Roth, Ilagile. Algae. Well, algae, yeah. There you go. Well done, Nick. Thank you for enlightening me. That's why I'm a teacher. Exactly. Simply Steve-O went with first real mistake selection. And linked to that, uh, C. Adave, which is actually Nick Russell, um, says, without Jimmy Mack, rudderless. Richard Volker says, honeymoon is over, baby. Michael Middleton went with defend set pieces better. 
And then back to the midfield theme, Hothi, the Brum Eagle, says, get rid of Luca. And uh, a very, very old friend of the show, King Vagabond at Hole, when is Jimmy back? There you go. Thank you for... Every, there were so many more of those and we, we could only pick a selection. And it wasn't really a value judgment given the time that we had. It was just, you know, chop the, chop the list at a certain point. So there were some fantastic ones in there. Thank you to everybody who sent those in. Similarly, the questions, we've picked a few out. So let's start with Jake. That's Ebo. And he's saying, why does Kiyate continually tell his teammates to pass back to our defence? Um, so, Nick, I think you should take that question. Because our defence are better at going forward than our midfield have been? I don't know. It's um, <laughs> deep in possession. It's that whole, we, we've, we've turned the possession stats around and can't seem to do anything with it. Um, who knows? But yeah. keep in possession, they can't score if we've got the ball. Listen, it's, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I, I'm... I'm one of those people who hates it when I'm when I'm in a crowd and everybody groans when we pass the ball back. But um, you know, you sometimes have to. But I think I think Jake's quite rightly picking up on the you know, the the, the kind of it's it's sometimes easy to take that simple option every time can sometimes be damaging if there's more options on. So I suppose the question really comes is were there enough options of other passes for Kiate when he had the ball? And I will have to leave that one open. Uh, Stan, who's often on YouTube with DR and uh, and T and Patrick, uh, went with, why did he bring on Are You On? What's the point? Um, look, it was a late sub, and I suppose we scored after it, Stan, so I'm not really sure uh, other than that. But I think maybe, you know, Chris, what do you reckon? Maybe the, the argument is that the change could have been made earlier. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's got to be the point because, um, you know, and it, it, that later sub, that usually you use you do that to waste time, whereas we were behind in the game, so you wouldn't expect that. But then, you know, maybe Vieira has a different view on IU's attacking contribution than some of our fan base. It could just be that. Indeed. London Eagle went with, was Luca sporting a wide-fitting boot yesterday? And obviously, you know, we've, <laughs> talk, we've talked about Luca and I, and, and I'll just leave that comment where it is um, and jump on to, to Peter Algar's comment where he asked the question, why did we buy Will Hughes if not to be a replacement for Macca? And Peter, I, I share that opinion, uh, if I'm brutally honest about it. And I, and I have to say that you know, that seemed to be the logical decision that was being made there. And when we say a replacement for Maka, you know, I'm thinking, okay, yes, years ahead, you know, for, for the years ahead. I mean, that is definitely the case. But also, as I've said a few times on the show, I think, you know, at Maka's age, he's playing tremendously. But to ask him to do that week in, week out throughout the course of a whole season, he just won't be able to because he will pick up injuries and he will be tired. And if you play a player when he's constantly tired... He picks up injuries. So it does seem like, you know, for the fact that Will Hughes hasn't played a minute, we have to respect the the, the manager, you know, and, and the staff in general and say there's obviously a reason for that, whether Will Hughes' time playing, you know, in, with the academy at Watford because he, he fell out with the hierarchy there, whether the fact that he didn't have that proper pre-season and he hasn't been playing, you know, at, at the right level for a long time has had an impact. That's the only thing that I can think of. But, you know, hopefully it's it's sooner rather than later for me. Nick? The good news is I, I, I sit quite near the tunnel. That's not the good news. Um, <laughs> but when he, <laughs> right. when he came out, um, he does seem quite happy. He was smiling and laughing uh, when the teams came out. So he doesn't look despondent about it. So that's that's good news. Indeed. On a similar theme, Chris, uh, Keith Seri has asked, are we shit without Macca? Well, I didn't think we were shit last week. Um, so I think it's too early to say. We definitely miss him. He's been playing out of his skin this season. Um, and I think we've discussed at length the fact that, you know, there needs to be some kind of alternative way of running our midfield and that we've got different players who we ought to experiment with. And hopefully we'll see Vieira mm -hmm. do that in the weeks before Maka returns. Indeed. And I do think it's a good time to, to mention again that we should consider... You know, look, let's face it, the way Palace have played for the majority of this season has been a surprise to us. Um, so I do think it pro was probably a surprise to a fair proportion of the division as well. That that surprise is now gone. We've now played a number of games. You know, the scouts for the opponents will be looking at what we do well and what we do, don't do well. So their game plans will be shifting and changing. 
Um, so we're, you know, we're entering a spell of games where we're thinking we should be picking up decent numbers of points here. And, and we have, you know, we, we're pushing ourselves up the table. We've done really well, but you know, we have to be able to be flexible. We have to be aware um, that the, the surprises we've sprung on the division won't last forever. And we've got to keep thinking and keep being creative. And listen, I've got every confidence we'll do that, but this was a game where, you know, I do think our opposition approached the game better than we did uh, in, in terms of how to get the win. And finally, Lee Anderson's forehead has asked, how's the house going? I'm sure as many of you have uh, experienced when buying a house and I've just bought my first and so thank you for, for referencing it. And, um, but yeah, finding out just how much needs to get done. Oh my God, guys, it's just the worst, you know? Um, but you know, you spend a bunch of money to get yourself a house and then you go in and then you have to spend a bunch of money to make it livable, um, to, to your own standards. It's, it's interesting. You go and view a property and furniture holds a, hides a multitude of sins, doesn't it? Um, have so, you um, um, found the problems behind the radiators yet? Um, not not yet. I mean, I need to bleed the radiators. The biggest problem I've got at the moment, which is being dealt with tomorrow morning, is uh, all the plumbing in the kitchen needs to be redone so I can actually plumb in washing machine and a dishwasher. So, oh. um, Do you know where you stop uh, cookies? I've, I definitely know where that is, Nick. Found that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah. So, uh, yeah, 350 quid going tomorrow and a complete, complete redo of that. Um, so there you go. At some point, I need to probably redo the electrics. But that's that's house buying for you. Uh, anyone knows how to get me some cheap carpets, give me a shout. Um, <laughs> but there you are. Um, so, yeah, thank you to everybody who got in touch. Again, small selection of the questions, uh, but but really love getting your contact. And I think that we're going to leave the show there. So thanks to everybody listening. Uh, and obviously, as I just mentioned, everyone who got in touch, and we, we can't use everything, but it all helps. It all builds the, the show around you know, that content and your thoughts and feelings, those things you express to us, us on social media, uh, on all the different uh, ways of, of talking to us. We, we read it all. We take it all in. Um, and yeah, you keep contributing, keep getting involved. We love it. Um, the preview team will of course be with you in the week. They'll look back at Tuesday's game against Leeds United. And then obviously ahead to the game on Sunday against Manchester United. Uh, as ever, there is plenty more content for you across all our social accounts and a wealth of life live and recorded shows for you over on YouTube, including instant match reaction and a chance for you to get involved. So find us on everything by searching back of the nest, like subscribe and be merry. Until next time, come on you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.